Welcome to Village Church Sermon Q&A. Pastor Michael here with you. I'm with Pastor Craig and with Pastor Alex. On May 16th, 2021, we preached a sermon about being a good neighbor. So Pastor Craig, I have a question for you. Can I be a good neighbor, but not share the gospel? What say you? Yeah, so it's a good question. I'm, I'm kind of caught on this question because we have a tendency to think to ourselves, if we fit into the category of good neighbor, we must necessarily speak about Christ to our neighbors. Mm-hmm. Now, in and of itself, that is a very good idea. Mm-hmm. They should know that you're a believer. They should know that you're a follower of Jesus mm-hmm. Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, but they shouldn't know it just by your words. They should mm-hmm. also know it by your actions. And it's interesting, when Jesus is asked the greatest commandment of all, he boils down all of the Ten Commandments basically mm-hmm. into two categories. The first one is, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength. Mm-hmm. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. So there's a part of um, loving God that is reflected in how we love one another. Almost, almost to the point where they're they're very close to being equal because he said the second is like it. So it's very, very close. So I think uh, it's interesting that we don't just love in word, but we also love in deed. And when you read in scripture and you read about what it means to be a good neighbor, Jesus actually was asked this question, how do I be a good neighbor? And instead of telling people, well, you just need to tell about me, which he has done on several occasions, right? right? He he literally sent out 700 disciples saying, go tell people about me, right? Uh, This is the Great Commission. Mm -hmm. Go into all the world, preach the gospel, tell people about me. You are my witnesses. I mean, he's doing that all over the place. However, when he's asked the question, who is my neighbor? Or what does it mean to be a good neighbor? He gives the story of a good Samaritan. Now, you know the story of the Good Samaritan. He's on a journey from Jerusalem to Jericho. This is about a 40-kilometer journey, and it's about, uh, I think it's like 2,000 feet drop. So it is very steep. I actually have bicycled this. Okay. And it's, uh, I think I did one rotation on my bicycle, and it was just coasting the rest of the time. Mm-hmm. So it is a very dangerous place. The water flows off of the mountains in Jerusalem and creates these big things called wadis. And in these wadis, in these big crevices in the ground, like people could live, people could hide, and you have bandits there. And they wait for people to make the journey and then they steal from them. This is the illustration Jesus gives. It's a very real illustration because people know people get ripped off on this journey. This guy gets ripped off. He gets passed by by two people that you would think should stop and help. Mm. Uh, to put it in our context, probably pastors. Yep. You know, you'd think that they should that's stop right, and help, right? Thing. Why are we the bad guys? But <laughs> exactly, he uses us as a bad guys. And he said they didn't stop and help, but the one person that did was a Samaritan, mm. and the Samaritan was half Jewish, half Gentile. So they were half breeds. They were the brunt of every joke. They were, you know, the the Polish, you know, the Polish. I, I joke. don't understand brunt. You would. It's <laughs> your Canadian jokes. Oh it's yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, there we yeah, go. I got it. So, so this Samaritan, though, they were not looked highly upon. So Jesus chooses the Samaritan, who stops and helps this mm-hmm. guy that got beat up. He says he he healed him. He 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 treated his wounds with oil and and wine, he helped his, his, the hurt go away, the pain go away. And then he takes him to a place where he can, like a mm. pseudo hospital, where the owner of the place looks after him and he pays for him and he says, if he needs to stay longer to heal, send me the bill and mm. I'll take care of it. Mm. And then he asks, which of these three people was a good neighbor? And of course the answer was the one who showed mercy. Mm. And then he said, go and do likewise. So I think we share the gospel absolutely in word, but we also share it in deed. Mm. 
Because he doesn't say go and preach the gospel in that instance. He says go and be a good neighbor. Mm. And when you get to the book of Romans, there's a great passage in the book of Romans in chapter 13 where Paul the Apostle is writing. He says, oh, no, anyone, oh, no one anything mm. except mm. to love each other. Yeah. For the one who loves has fulfilled the law. And this is what we were talking about yesterday, the law. For the commandments, now listen to this, don't commit adultery, don't murder, don't steal, don't covet, all of those ways that we treat our neighbors. He says, and any other commandment are summed up in this word. Here's what it is. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Mm -hmm. Love does no wrong to a neighbor, therefore love is fulfilling the law. So I think the answer to the question is, can I be a follower of Jesus and not necessarily share verbally the gospel with my neighbor? The answer is yes. Mm -hmm. Because as I live in a way that loves my neighbor, I am sharing the gospel. Now, given the opportunity to share the gospel, I should take should, advantage yes, of it. Right? Right. They should know that I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. Absolutely. Not yeah. just by the things that I do, not just by the way that I treat my property and mm and uh, help my neighbors and show up when there's an ambulance mm -hmm. in front of my neighbor's mm -hmm. front lawn. But I wanna make sure that I'm also uh, making sure that I speak the truth yep. and demonstrate the truth. That's good. As you're talking, I was thinking about our, like where we live. And I know the faith and the church of every person um, around me, mm. um, not because I asked, um, but because it was very apparent by things they did, where their kids go to school, what happens on Sunday mornings, just passing conversations. Oh, I was at church or I was at this thing. Or mm -hmm. uh, I also know um, it's interesting because if they are generally religious in any way, I, I know where they are. If they are irreligious, but they're really into modern social movements, I know that. Yeah. They're very clear. They have a, they have a sign on their window. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, interesting, like there is not, I, we do not have one mean biting, cutting neighbor, mm. like at all. Like they're really, I mean, really great people all around, like really love them. But the ones I don't know are the completely irreligious ones because mm. they don't have anything to talk about. So they don't, they only talk about work or life or whatever. And it's interesting that like, just by me being in this neighborhood for six years, I know everyone around me, their religious mm. like inclination based on what they say, um, what they put up in their windows and their signs in their houses. Or what they don't say. It's very interesting. If if I found out that two of my neighbors on our cul-de-sac were believers in Jesus Christ, I would be so mad right now. <laughs> I'm like, you have been a Christian. You love Jesus. And you have like one of them, like you've stayed indoors and I've seen you three times. That's it. Mm. Like, and you're, you're not ill. Like, yeah. that's really like, that's right. your, and it's interesting though, because uh, the ones who like are just profess Christ are honestly the best neighbors. Like on our, on our street, they're really incredible people. And, um, and it's, there is one person in our neighborhood that, um, has gone out of their way, the whole family to love so well, um, that when somebody got cancer, they were the first one they called. Mm -hmm. Um, they are the only ones in our neighborhood because they've been there long enough that if they, he had talked about doing just kind of a Bible study, he's the only one who could do it. And anybody would show up because he's loved so faithfully, mm -hmm. consistently. Uh, he has always been there. He's always been helping. I mean, it's interesting that his general posture has opened up uh, everybody for a conversation. Yeah, that's all, I love that because uh, one of the phrases I said yesterday is you, you may not be able to bring your neighbor to Jesus, yes. mm -hmm. but you can do a lot to prevent it. Totally. That's exactly yep. right. Yeah. yeah. And then I, what I found interesting is like, uh, 
Paul says, and I can't remember where, maybe these pastors here can help me figure out the text. Um, <laughs> he talks about like, pray for me for an open door for the gospel. I know that he's in prison mm-hmm. and he's praying that the Lord, would, like, he's praying, asking them to pray for him, that he'd be able to share the gospel mm-hmm. while he's there. But he, mm-hmm. he says is pray for an open door. So mm-hmm. even Paul knows it's not always the right time to share the gospel uh, because you can share it at the wrong time and harden a heart, that there's a context yeah. Yeah. and that your discernment tells you when the door is going open. to be open. I think that's yeah. the Holy Spirit at work within us. And, yeah. I, and I know, um, I, I got to give you one more story. In, yeah. in, the, in the scriptures, there's a story of when Paul and Silas end up in jail. They are prisoners chained mm-hmm. to the wall. And it's interesting, the Philippian jailer, the story is, is an amazing story about this jailer who there's an earthquake, the doors fly open, you know the story, mm-hmm. and all the prisoners now are freed, mm-hmm. they can go free, and he's fearful because not only will Rome take his life, they'll, they'll cut his family down, yeah, that's exactly everybody right. related to him. And so he doesn't want to see this, so he's about to take his own life. And Paul says, don't worry, we're all still here. Mm-hmm. And I'm amazed by that yeah. because, number one, how did the prisoners, why did the prisoners run? Yep. Why did they stay with Paul? But the number two is, mm-hmm. What drew them to stay with Paul? Yeah. And you can read about it in scripture. He's actually in jail. And what are they doing? They're singing wow. and they're praising the Lord. They chose jail over that man's death. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. And I find it, I, it like if you have the spirit wow. of God inside of you, it's not like you need to make an effort to stick tracks on doors or, mm. you know, take every out. Your neighbor mm. comes along and you preach the gospel to them in one word. I think it's more than that. Yeah. I think there's there's an attractiveness to our personality that, that faith pulls people mm-hmm. in, mm-hmm. especially like you said, when yeah. they're in times of desperation. Yeah. Imagine that guards like just panic in that moment and oh. that how gracious uh, Paul and those people were, how they chose jail. Yeah. yeah. And then, and then they go to the house and instead of his, his family being wiped out, they're all right. saved and baptized. Wow. Yeah. That night. That's, that's cool. incredible. Yeah. Oh. yeah. Well, I think that's a great way to end. I want to thank you for joining us, and um, we hope this was encouraging for you. we got more questions to come on Sermon Q&A, so I hope you'll, you'll join us next time.